as we move forward, unless God has mercy, unless God just steps in and sovereignly changes things, there are some difficult days ahead, probably beginning in the last half of this, this year. And my responsibility as a pastor, just like when we entered into COVID, dealing with your fear, dealing with your discouragement, teaching you that you can stand, teaching you how to stand. In the same way, my responsibility is moving into the economic fallout now from COVID, is to build your faith and to give you hope for God's provision. We know that interest rates are going to be rising. We know gasoline, we remember the 80s with the high interest rates and the high gasoline prices. We know election season will keep everything okay for a little bit, but then after the elections, da-da-da, you know. We, we, we've been through these days before. My focus for a lot of my teaching and our offering thoughts for the rest of this year after we finish our current subject is going to be that God is your source of provision. Everybody say, God is my source. Next week, Lord willing, I'm going to teach you about how to tithe from the Scripture and clear up questions and strongholds that people want to somehow erect against it. But first, I want to talk to you about God the provider. There are so many people today that quarrel about the word prosperity, and I really don't understand it. It's, it's a Bible word. Everybody say it's a Bible word. How can you be against something that's right there in the book? But I understand where they're coming from. Many of them, they're really not against prosperity. They're against avarice. They're against greed. And I get that. I'm against it too, and I teach you against it. So maybe so that we, we, we don't fight about the word. Let's talk about the word provision. Everybody say provision. So rather than quarreling about prosperity, oh, you're a prosperity preacher. Yes, I am. Maybe we take that word away and we, we say, we're not going to let people beat us with a stick with a word that's a perfectly good Bible word, but people have misused it, just like people misused born again, and we had the born against doctrine. Now, let's call it provision. Everybody say, I'm a provision believer. Now, I, I want you to think with me. When Jesus walked this earth and he taught people, those were not good times. Those were hard times. Israel had been occupied for almost a hundred years by the Roman military. Before the Romans took over it, it had been basically a battlefield of four competing armies going back and forth across their landscape until they, they pretty much ruined the land. These were hard days. In the days that Jesus lived, any Roman soldier could walk up to any Jew and take whatever they wanted, and it was perfectly legal. Any Roman soldier could walk up to any Jew and say, I want you to carry this. And they had the legal right to carry it for one kilometer. That's why Jesus said, if they make you go with them one, go with them two. Children, everybody can hear you all the way over here. Thank you. I know you're so happy to be out of the house. But shh, listen. Thank you. 
Nobody wants to shoot you. Maybe we'll get you a magnum bar. I want you to notice what Jesus did. Jesus stood up in the middle of that horrible thing and began to teach the people of Israel that God is the provider. In Matthew 6, beginning with verse 25, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Who feeds them? The Father. Your heavenly Father. Jesus looked at them and said, Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? Jesus looked at the people of that day and said, Number one, God is your Father. And your Father feeds the birds. And you are of more value than a bird. Please forgive me, my friends, but Jesus did not die for a bird. Jesus died for you. Everybody say, he died for me. You are of more value than a bird. And if the heavenly Father can feed a bird, the heavenly Father will provide for you and your family. He continues in verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you Oh, you of little faith? Hey, he said, hey, God's going to put food on your table. God's going to put clothes on your back. But he said, all God asks, verse 33, is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all this food, all this provision, all this clothing, all of this will be added to you. Everybody say added to me. It's just brought to your life. Your children don't beg you parents for, for food. You just put it on the table for them. And Jesus said, your father is just going to put this on the table for you. Your father is just going to take care of this for you. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are just going to be added. They're just going to be laid out there for you. He says, no, no, let's, let's stop this little faith stuff, and let's start believing in the father. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How many people here have ever prayed and asked the Lord for something? Raise your hand up high. What does he promise? He said, your heavenly Father, everybody shout, my Father. Say it again will give good things to those who ask him. He's not going to give you trash. He's not going to give you junk. He's going to give you good things. It didn't say he's going to give you, you know, a pair of pants with a hole in the back. He's going to give you good pants. He didn't say he's going to give you shoes that are all torn up and nasty from the ukai ukai. He said, I'm going to give you good shoes. I'm going to give you good clothes. I'm going to give you good food. Everybody say good things. Now, you, you've got to just sit down and let your faith begin to grow for this. This is what your heavenly Father does. When we ask our Father, He gives us good things. I didn't hear you. 
Paul taught us that God was our source. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things and at all times, all sufficiency, all things, all times. Everybody say, all sufficiency, all things, all times. Does that sound like God's a provider? All sufficiency, everything you need in all things at all times. This is your father. This is the message that Paul preached. Paul didn't go into the world and say, hey folks, Jesus died on the cross for you, but now that's, that's where it ends. Everything ends. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants you to go to heaven, but that's where it ends. Everything ends at salvation. That's not what Paul taught. Paul said, now, now that you're saved and you've been adopted into the family of God, your heavenly Father is going to provide all sufficiency in all things at all times. Your Father provides for you. Philippians 4 verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours. How many needs? I, I didn't hear you. If you need shoes, will God give you shoes? If you need tuition fee money, will God give the tuition? If you need rent, will God give you the rent? If you need the mortgage payment on the house, will God give you the mortgage payment? Paul says, and my God will supply, not might, not if he feels like it, will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. Doesn't matter what the Philippine economy does. I, I used to teach people, if the peso goes, when the peso was at 50 to one, I said, if the peso goes to 100 to one, God will provide. And everybody said, Pastor, please quit talking like that. Because we had seen the peso go from 6 to 18 to 24 to 26 to 28 to 42 to 48 to 50. But you know what? God provided. Beloved, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world economy. Faithful is the one who has promised. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Romans 8.32, Paul said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will, he also, how will he not also along with him graciously give us how many things? So God's provision does not end at salvation. God's provision does not end at spiritual things. Paul said, listen, the Father gave His only begotten Son to take the punishment of our sins on the cross. Why would you think if He would not withhold His only begotten Son from us, why would you think that He would withhold anything from you along with Him? Now, you don't get it without Jesus. But along with Him, graciously give us how many things? Now, I know these truths are so simple and you know them so well, but beloved, please, Sometimes we forget, and when we forget, we get become afraid. First Timothy chapter six verse seventeen: As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be proud or haughty, 
nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. And why does Paul say set your hope on God? Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Who provides for you? God. How does he provide for you? Richly. Why does God provide for you? For you to enjoy. Let me say that one more time. Who will provide for you? How does he provide for you? Why does he provide it for you? To enjoy. Please, beloved. He wants you to enjoy. God has always revealed himself as a provider. We taught you earlier about Genesis 22 with, with Abraham and Isaac. Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Deuteronomy 28, 11, And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. 2 Chronicles 29, verses 12 to 14, King David says, God, but who am I and what are my people? That we should be able to offer this so willingly. For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. He said, hey, God, everything we've given you, you gave to us first. Everything comes from you. Psalms 23, verse 11. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not what? I, it does not say the Lord is my shepherd, I'm going to go hungry. It does not say the Lord is my shepherd, I'm going to starve to death. It says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Those, the needs are taken care of. Psalms 37, verse 25. I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. Whoa, people don't like that verse. Everybody say, but that's Bible. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Beloved, even Satan has figured this doctrine out. I mean, please, in Job chapter 1, verse 10, Satan is wanting to, to attack Job, and he stands before God. And Satan says, have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? God, have you not put a big fence around Job? And then he says, God, you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Even Satan understood that God blessed Job. Are we still here? I don't, are we still here? I don't understand why Christians want to argue about the provision of God. Beloved, it doesn't matter what tomorrow brings. Your heavenly Father will provide for you. Everybody shout, God is my provider. But now that's my introduction. Very quickly, let me walk you through a simple truth. How do you live like a person that believes that God is provider? There are many people that would say, yeah, God provides, but they don't live like it. How do you live like a person that really believes that in the midst of the storm, God will provide? Number one, a person who believes that God is their source will work with their hands. 
Everybody say, they will work. Say it again. God commands us to work. Think of Paul's writings in Ephesians 4. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. Think of Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. Paul taught people to work. Everybody say, to work. 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his own relatives and especially the members of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, please forgive me, but, but this Ayuda thing has just gotten out of control. Everybody wants more freebies. Now, now, people don't like me sometimes when I say things like this, so hold steady. I can remember talking to some of our members by FaceTime and stuff during, and, and Zoom and everything during the lockdown. And some of our families, you know, you were doing really well, and you were, God was providing and blessing you. And you were putting on Facebook your ayuda, your cash from the government, your boxes of food from the government. And some of you, I called on the phone because I'm close to you. And I said, what are you doing taking freebies from the government? You should pass it on to somebody who really needs it in Jesus' name. <clears throat> I didn't hear you. I talked to one family. I said, I talked to the husband. I said, dude, why are you staying at home? You know, Pastor, we're just waiting for, for our, the, the government. You know, you, we're just waiting for the Ayuda. I said, excuse me, why don't you go get a job? Well, I lost my job. I said, yeah, three months ago you lost your job. What are you doing to get another job? Everybody else is going to work. It's time for you to get to work too. This is when lockdowns first began to end. Oh, Pastor, you know, maybe later. Beloved, please, that's dependency living. That's not God as provider. You, you look at other nations of the world where the people live on this, these handouts, and it creates a dependency, and it creates generations of poverty. If you really believe God is your source, you work. I didn't hear you. Why? Because God didn't promise to stick money in our bank accounts. God promised to bless the work of our hands. Deuteronomy 2 verse 7, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. Deuteronomy 16 15, God will bless you in all that you produce and in all the work of your hands. Deuteronomy 28 12, And to bless you in all the work of your hands. You know, this lazy spirit of a man staying home and just, you know, later on watching Eat Bulaga while his wife goes to work. Excuse me, guys. We're men. Go work in Jesus' name. Amen. At some point we have to realize, if God is our provider, he looks at us and says, go work. And if you will work, he says, I will bless the work of your hands. The more work your hands do, the more blessings flow. Now, now straight up, the blessings flow to the work of our hands. If our hands are doing very little, there's little blessings. If our hands are doing a lot, a lot of blessings. The blessings flow to the work of our hands. We've got to get to work in Jesus' name. Secondly, a person who believes that God is their source will pray and not worry. Listen again to Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you shall drink. Why? We're, we're not to worry. Why? 
Philippians 4, verse 6, don't be anxious about anything. That includes your financial needs. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, why? Philippians 34, 10, the young lions suffer want and lack. But those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. Did you hear that? See, see, some of you, you got the work part down, but you forgot about the prayer part. If you really believe that God is your source, every day you come before Him and you ask Him. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Everybody say, prayer life, not worry life. Second Chronicles 26 verse 5. King Hezekiah set himself to seek the Lord in all the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him, God made him what? Prosper. Now, now this is a challenge, and please, I don't want to be critical or rude, but please. I, I've watched people have great prayer lives. And they're in the all-night prayer meetings, and they're, they're always praying. But then they get out of college, and they get their first job, and they still pray. But then the more successful they get, the less they pray. Pastor, I'm so busy. Excuse me? You're too busy for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Every morning, if you got to get up an extra hour earlier, get up an extra hour earlier. Get out the word, pray, seek the Lord. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Amen. Are we still here? Thirdly, a person who believes that God is their source will never love and they will never trust money. They will never love and they will never trust money. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, But as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Now, I want you to see two things in these verses. Number one, people who love money are never content. They've always got to have what somebody else has. You see, greed, greed has nothing to do with how much you have. Greed has to do with your attitudes. In fact, I've met more poor people that were greedy than rich people. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I didn't hear you. See, greed is you're not satisfied with anything. As a Christian, we don't love money. We're content. Whatever we have, we're content with. And God blesses us and gives us more. But we're not always reaching for more. We're happy with what God has given us. And as we're good stewards, God gives us more. But the other thing I want you to see there, a person who loves money puts their hope and puts their trust in money. They think that money is going to be the thing that helps them in the future. And i got news for you folks. Some of us that are a little older, we've lived through the days when the peso went to nothing. Six to one to 50 to one. We've lived through the interest rates, the Jobo bills at 52%. We, we've lived through devaluation. We've lived through inflation. Some of you, you, you think, oh, I've got a million pesos in the bank. I'm not worried about the future. 
You don't understand. All it takes is one good devaluation and about 20% inflation, which real numbers we're probably running right now. Your money is worth 20% less each year. Five years, your money's worthless. Don't put your hope in money. A person who really believes that God is the provider recognizes, I don't put my trust in money. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Everybody say, I'm dependent on God. You recognize the bank account can disappear tomorrow. It can disappear tomorrow. But God will never disappear. As long as the provider is a part of your life, you're taken care of. Fifthly, or fourthly, a person who believes that God is their source will live a life of obedience. Think with me to Deuteronomy 28, beginning with verse 1. If, everybody shout if, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth, and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. And then you go into all those blessings, and you get down to verse 11. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity. Everybody say abound. Verse 12, the Lord will open for you his good treasury, the heavens, and give you rain on the land and seas, and bless all the work of your hands, and you'll lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. Flows from obedience. Let me look at it from another passage with you. Proverbs 20, 21, 21. He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Now, that's a whole sermon in itself there. But just notice the first phrase. He who pursues righteousness. What's one of the things that you find? Prosperity. Pursue living right. I didn't say perfection. Nobody can be perfect but Jesus. But you pursue right standing with God. You pursue. You make it a pursuit in life. I want to live right. I don't want to live a life of compromise. I don't want to go along to get along. Psalms 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk. What? 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 If we walk uprightly, what does he promise? No good thing will he withhold. Psalms 37, verse 25. I've been young, now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous, not the compromiser, the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now, now think with me in, in our devotions over the last few weeks. How many times have we read in the book of Deuteronomy, God told the people of Israel, do not imitate the cultures of these other nations. Don't imitate it. Don't, don't try to go be like these other people. And I know in the Christian world today, there are churches that say we want to be relevant. No, they don't. They want to compromise. Oh, we want to fit into the world. So they, they teach their young people to drink. They teach their young people to club. They teach their young people to go get tattoos. And drugs are all right. And the big thing now is, you know, marijuana is cool in church, they say. I, I'm sorry. If God is your provider... No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
Pursue righteousness. And what does God bring you? Prosperity. Are you learning something? Here's another one. A person who believes that God is their source is a person who comes to God's house. I want you to think with me. In Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham went up on Mount Moriah, now please remember with me, Mount Moriah is what we call today Temple Mount. It's where hundreds of years later Solomon built the temple. It's where we call it the threshing floor of Aruna. It's where the plague stopped. This was Mount Moriah. And I want you to notice in Genesis 22, verse 14, when he turned around and he saw that ram caught in a thicket. So Abraham called the name of that place, that place, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh is the name of a place. It is the name of the place where God built his house. Everybody shout, God's house. Now add to that, Psalms 92 verse 13. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of God. Where do you flourish? In God's house. Psalms 36 verse 8. They feast on the abundance of your house. Psalms 52 verse 8. But I'm like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. Now you've always heard me teach that things have to happen in the spirit realm before they happen in the physical realm. When you and I prioritize the house of God, we flourish. We what? And as that flourishing happens in the spirit realm, what happens in the physical realm? The same thing. If you truly believe that God is your provider, you'll be in God's house on a regular basis. I didn't hear you. Oh, you know, Pastor Summerall, COVID. Those of you listening at home, don't get mad at me. Oh, Pastor Summerall, COVID, you know, it's not safe. Uh, have you been to the shopping mall? Well, yeah. Have you been to the grocery store? Yeah. Have you been to Jollibee? Well, yeah. Have you been to Kentucky Fried? Yeah. You can be in God's house. Are we still here? So we, we've got to sit back and understand. On the mountain of the Lord, and I like how Abraham finishes it up. So Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah Jireh. And as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Provision flows in God's house. Everybody shout, provision flows in God's house. The next one. A person who truly believes that God is their source will want a flow of the Holy Spirit in their life. Now again, I could teach you each one of these things, multiple sermons, not just thoughts. Ezekiel 47 verse 9. Wherever the river goes, every living creature and swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, and the waters of the sea become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Now we know that the river, the Bible refers to the river of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. By that he meant the Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Every place the Holy Spirit flows, there will be life. There will be what? Just like when Jesus said, if I cast out demons, 
by the Spirit. By the Spirit. When Jesus cast out demons, the Holy Spirit just flowed through a person's body and drives the demon out. Everything lives. Now, you have to get a hold of this truth. Some of you, you've got a little business that kind of died during COVID. And you need to just go sit down in the middle of that business and start praying in tongues and singing in, the, in tongues, singing in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, and just sit there in the middle of that business, in the middle of no lights and a bunch of stuff stuck around you, and it looks like a dead business. You sit there in the middle of it and let the river of the Holy Spirit flow out of your innermost being, praying in tongues, singing in the Spirit, and watch that business come back to life in Jesus' name. Every place the river flows will live. One of our businessmen came to me and he said, Pastor Summer, I just don't know what to do. I've got this store. It's dead. It died during COVID. There's still no foot traffic coming around. I don't know what to do. I said, every morning, go over to your store. And I said, turn on the lights. He said, they turned off the power, Pastor. I said, well, take a flashlight, turn your flashlight on your cell phone on. I said, go in the middle of it. Read your Bible for a little while. Ask God to bless. Go around and lay hands on everything in the store. Ask God to bring you customers. And I said, then just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost for a half an hour. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Sing in the Spirit. And I said, watch the Holy Spirit move and bring life. Every place the river flows, everything lives. Every day of your life, you need to be praying in the Holy Ghost. Paul said, building ourselves up, praying in the Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness, I can go forever on that. Let me give you not, one more. A person who believes that God is their source will show respect for God. Will show what? Psalms 34, beginning with verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord. Now remember, this does not mean taco. It means respect. Respect the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, respect him, have no lack. Have no what? Psalms 111, verse 5. New Living Translation. He gives food to those who fear him. Respect him. He always remembers his covenant. Now, now beloved, we, we live in a world today where, where people don't respect God. Where, where Christians want to talk about honoring God, but they have no respect for God. Everybody say respect. And you say, well, Pastor, how can you say that? You're judging. Yeah, I, the Bible says we are to judge those in the, in the house of God. We are to judge believers. But the Bible is pretty clear. That there are people who claim to know God, but they deny him, Paul said, by their deeds. There's no respect. You look at Moses. Moses respected God. He cared about what people thought about God. God said, I'm going to wipe all of Israel out because of their sin. And Moses said, but God, if you do that, these people in Egypt will say that you weren't able to keep your promises, so you killed everybody. He said, God, I'm concerned about people think what people think of your name. God, I have respect for you. Everybody say respect. 
Say it again. Respect is a word that's beginning to be lost in the world today. All the fear of God means is this deep, deep, deep respect for God in our hearts. Now, there's lots of things in the Bible that teach us respect. But let me throw one at you that maybe you hadn't thought about. Deuteronomy 14, verse 23. Moses is teaching about tithing. And he says, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Deuteronomy 14, 23, New Living Translation. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship. Everybody say, bring. Then look at the last phrase. Doing this, New Living Translation. Bringing the tithe to the designated place, to God's house. Doing this will teach you always to fear or respect the Lord your God. Everybody say, tithing is a teacher. Say it again. Just like I've taught you that grace is the teacher, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness, tithing is a teacher. Tithing teaches us respect. Every time God blesses the work of your hands and you have an accounting, we'll teach you more about this next week, and you have an accounting and you separate the 10%. You separate the tithe for God. Every time you do that, you're learning respect for God. Everybody say respect. Tithing. And look at it. I just love that. That you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. New Living Translation. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Have you ever noticed that people that fight tithing are very disrespectful to God and very disrespectful to the work of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter, come on. You, you listen to them, you, you hear them. They're very disrespectful of God and very disrespectful of the work of God because they've taken a teacher out of their life. Tithing teaches us to fear the Lord. Every time you set apart that tithe, from the very beginning of the principle of tithing in the garden, where the, the revelation of tithing began, Abraham, or Abraham, Adam, don't touch this tree. That tree belongs to me. Every time Adam obeyed, he's learning respect. He's learning what? Every time he did that, he's learning respect. Now, I'm going to teach you more about tithing next weekend. And I'm going to just take the offering thought in the sermon and teach you how to tithe and all of the, the principles about it. But brothers and sisters, I can teach you what the Scripture says. But if you want to have an excuse and you want to find some little excuse in the Bible, well, you know, Pastor Summerall, tithing is a part of the law and we've been redeemed from the law. We're new covenant Christians. God, I'll be telling God, that is such an intellectually dishonest thing to say. It demonstrates such gross ignorance of God and His Word. And even it demonstrates poor logic. Number one, there are three tithes in the law. There are three of them. Two of them are completely just part of the, of the Mosaic law and how God ran the benevolence system and everything to, in, in the people of Israel. It was part of their, this is how we function as a nation. But there was a, a third tithe in the law that was long before the law. And that was the sacred, what theologians call the sacred tithe. This is what was practiced in the garden. Don't touch this tree. 
This is what Abraham brought to Melchizedek, the high priest. This is what Jacob vowed on his wanderings. He said, God, if you'll take care of me, I vow I'll give you a tenth of all that you bless me with. This is what Jesus teaches in Matthew and Luke. I mean, the tithe, you have to, oh, no, Pastor Samuel, if you're going to tithe, then, then you know, you might as well offer bloody sacrifices. I mean, please, that, that logic has been on the internet for as long as there's been an internet. But excuse me, loving God is in the law. Did you know that? Loving God is in the law. Loving your neighbor is in the law. Are we redeemed from that? See, there are things that are part of a man's normal relationship with God that were before the law. And when God gave the law to Moses, all of those beautiful things that were part of man's normal relationship with God, they were added into the law. They were incorporated in the law. But they did not originate in the law. They originated with man's walk with God. Are we still here? Are we still here? Loving God, being committing to God, not stealing. Those were beautiful principles long before the law. And when God made the law for Israel, he incorporated beautiful principles. But that doesn't mean that they originated in the law. Brothers and sisters, please, I can answer what the Scriptures say. But if you're looking for an excuse not to tithe, you know what? It's up to you. But I will tell you that as a tither, God has been good to me. How many tithers are here? Would you raise your hand? All the tithers, wave your hands. Look around, everybody. Put your hands up, all the tithers. Put your hand up. Has God been good to you? Yes. One of our families came to me during the lockdown. Well, they didn't come to me. They, they, what do you call it? Instant, me not message. Messenger. They were on Facebook Messenger with me. And they said, Pastor, our relatives came over, and they did not understand how our family was prospering. We bought properties during lockdown. We, we opened new businesses during lockdown. And they said, why are you doing so well? These are supposed to be hard times. And they said, well, our family's been a tither, and God blesses a tither. Are we still here? God has been good to you, beloved. If you want to know why I had faith to pray for you every day during lockdown that God would provide, I know you. I know your tithers. I know that whatever COVID did, heaven would be opened over your family. And I've had the privilege of two years of watching horrible things going on in the world and knowing that fa the Father would take care of you, your tithers. Amen? All right. When you came in today, and you don't have to do this if you don't want, or you can wait until next week when I give you all the theology on tithing. But if you'd like to do it today, that would be wonderful. We gave you a little tithing commitment card. Now, we did it a little differently this year. If you break it in half, you'll see understanding the progression of tithing. Because there are all these people that want to fight tithing, you know? So I show you how tithing begins. Every revelation is progressive. Everybody say, every revelation. From the beginning of Jesus as the promised seed in Genesis. We didn't know anything about the cross in Genesis, but the promised seed. Every truth of God in the Bible is a progressive revelation. 
So I show you the progression of the sacred tithe and take it all the way through for you. Now, if you'd like to say, Pastor, I'm going to be a tither. I'd like you to write down your name, your cell number, your email address. And again, nobody's going to visit you with this. Nobody's going to follow you up about this. The, the, the mobile number and the email address, is, we haven't done it in two years. And this is to help us do our visitation to make sure we're taking care of everybody. And everybody said? Every, do you remember how we used to always in January have two or three things where I could get everybody's names and addresses? We can check the master list. That's what that's about. But the other thing is, this will then come into my prayer bench at home where every day I will come and lay hands on the tithers and I will lay hands on those that have brought in their missions pledges. Every day I come and lay hands on those things and pray for God's blessings upon your life. So this, this helps me with my prayer also. So if you take a moment, go ahead and fill it out. Did you learn something today? When I read that verse, tithing teaches us to fear the Lord. I just sat back and thought, wow. And I thought all through my life, there's been a teacher in my life teaching me to respect. I love that. I just love that. All right. We'll do, we'll do this all at once. If you put your tithe in the red envelopes, your seed in the blue envelopes. If you have missions, put it in the, the orange envelopes. But if you'd also fill out your little pledge card for being a tither. Now you say, well, Pastor... I got to be honest with you, during lockdown, I didn't keep up with my tithe. You know, folks, you cannot unscramble scrambled eggs. God is not a bill collector. God does not want you to go back and try to figure it all out. Just start fresh today. What did Jesus say to the woman caught in adultery? Go and... So, so just start fresh today. Don't try to unscramble scrambled eggs. Just start fresh today in Jesus' name.